Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. The Australian banking system has had a serious shake-up with the final report of the Royal Banking Commission released on the 4th of February. 76 recommendations were made to put an end to financial misconduct. Treasurer Josh Friedenberg declared that banks had been driven by greed and from today the banking sector must change and change forever. My guest today on Talking Trading is economist Jonathan Barrett. Jono goes through some of the major findings of the thousand-page report and the sweeping reforms to our banking system and how they will affect you. Jono not only has 25 years' experience in the markets, he's also an AFSL holder, as well as holding several directorship roles with prominent Australian financial institutions. He is thus perfectly poised to discuss the Commission and its findings. But first in today's episode on Talking Trading, let's get a treat with Louise Bedford, especially for the fans of the TV show Billions, as Louise shares how to offer effective support to the fellow traders in your life. Let's talk about how to offer support to the fellow traders in your life. There is a performance coach. Her name is Denise Schull. Her role was actually the inspiration for Wendy Rhodes in Billions, the TV show. And if you haven't watched that show, it's fantastic. So Wendy plays the psychologist for a group of hedge fund managers. And the things that they come to her with, it's quite amazing. Now, the real-life Wendy is Denise Shull, and she has got some amazing advice for how to handle it when somebody comes to you to talk about their feelings about the markets, or if they've got self-doubt about a job interview, or maybe they're concerned about their artistic ability. Basically, whatever the issue is where your friend is showing vulnerability, this will work. Now, Often, we try to give the pep talk. We try to say, you've got this, or knock them dead, or you can do it. The difficulty with those type of statements is that it doesn't empathise with the vulnerability that your friend is showing you. So any version of, I don't really care how you feel, but I'm going to give you that pep talk, any version of that will not make your friend feel heard And in fact, they may pull away from you. So instead of, don't worry about trading, you'll do great, as a comment, try this. Try saying, well, what exactly is it that you're nervous about? And how can I help you right now to work through that feeling? Let's talk about it. 
or empathize with their feeling and say, I can understand that you'd feel that way. Tell me more. I overuse tell me more, actually. I use that for everything. Friends, children, my own teenager. It's a fantastic statement. So I think sometimes in our urge to shut down our negative feelings about their negative feelings, we cut people off. Try it today. When somebody comes to you with a problem, empathize with their feeling first and ask them how you can be of service. I'm sure you'll find that will not only help your friend, it will give you an insight into yourself. Hi, I'm Paul McGee. I'm the author of the book, Sumo, Shut Up, Move On. And I listen to Talking Trading. John O'Barrett, good morning and hello from Japan. Good morning, Caroline. The Royal Banking Commission final report was publicly released on the 4th of February and Kenneth Hayne made 76 recommendations involving sweeping changes to laws governing the financial industry in a bid to put to end the misconduct uncovered. Treasurer Josh Friedenberg declared that banks have been driven by greed and from today the banking sector must change and change forever. Jono, what did you think of the final report? Yeah, Caroline, uh, I guess uh, after reading a thousand pages, you, you get a sense that there was uh, obviously a need, a need of, of change and a need uh, for the consumer to feel comfortable or more comfortable in the sector, uh, in the finance sector. So so I think the, the, the changes there, the recommendations, I think the key take home for me is whether or not you know, we'll get implementation of all 76 changes. Um, obviously, there's major, still major concerns there. But uh, in anything, it was a good shake-up for the industry and uh, I think it was something that was well needed. Okay, so let's go through some of the various industries that were hit with the report. Number one, the mortgage-broking industry was by far the hardest hit and the outcome is now that mortgage brokers need to act in the client's best interests. Commissioner Haynes said, so long as brokers are seen by borrowers to be acting on their behalf, the present remuneration arrangements are conflicted. Hmm. Look, it's, uh, it's, it's a funny thing. As a broker, you always have to act in the best interest of your client. I think where it all got skewed was in the remuneration because uh, there was just far too much, I guess, takeout of all the loans. And considering that a lot of the loans were longer term, a lot of the, the different types of commission structures just actually put the consumer at a disadvantage. So, so in my mind, I think that industry is is keen for a shake-up. If the recommendations go, go through, uh, there'll be some, um, I guess, I think the fine industry will consolidate a little bit. If anything there, um, I think that's, uh, that's needed because there was just too much uh, resource in commissions, uh, which was going away from the consumer. And banks became big businesses just too much. Absolutely. I mean, the interesting thing about that was that years ago, the banker was seen as a very uh, stable occupation, it was an occupation that was at the cornerstone of most communities. The banker was well-trusted. Um, you know, he was never a high flyer. And, and over the course of deregulation, that exactly changed, where banks become more entrepreneurial. They became more, um, I guess, more, more greedy in terms of the returns. They were always fighting for their shareholders. And I think every consumer had a cringe when they, they felt that at the end of the financial year, at the end of the quarter, 
the banks reported multiple billion dollars worth of profits. Now, those profits were obviously derived from the consumers. So, so the businesses have changed. But I think the report at the end of the day has brought a sense of a, a realisation that this is a service industry. So you've got to serve those consumers. So if anything there, I think that more regulation, looking for the protection of the consumer. We did have it before, but now I think it's going to be more enhanced. Um, you know, we've already seen a lot of changes with ASIC over the last couple of years in terms of red tape. This will only enhance that. So let's look at a couple of those enhancements. Number one, the borrower, not the lender, should pay the broker fee for home loans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when you went with it, you know, when you look at the fees, um, you know, it is all about reducing fees. And when you look at, look at you know, who should pay and, and what it is, I guess at the end of the day, you know, it has to be adjusted so that it becomes a much fairer outcome. And I think the recommendation does make it more fairer. Trailing commissions on loans should be abolished. Yeah, look, that's uh, when you look at a trailing commission. I mean, you know, like it, it's sort of in a funny sense that you know you sort of you're having your, your cake and eating it too, um, because uh, the loans are over an extended period. You know, these trailing commissions go to the extent of the loan, and, and it does mean that the loan in itself, although you negotiated a, a reasonable loan, um, there is that trailing commission that sort of should really be go really back to the actual consumer and not the broker. The broker did a one-off transaction um, that was to introduce the client, structure the loan. After that, that should be where it ends. It doesn't happen in business banking, so why should it happen you know, in normal home lending and home mortgaging? Haynes said the chief value of trailing commissions to the recipient, to put it bluntly, is that it's money for nothing. Why should a broker whose work is complete when the loan is arranged continue to benefit from the loan for the years to come? Exactly what you just said, Jono. Absolutely. So I think that to me is a change and I think it's a positive one. Okay, mortgage brokers are to be regulated by the law that applies to financial advisors. Yeah, look, it's, uh, at the end of the day, it's always a tough, it's, a, it's very tough between when you start to get more regulation in any, any industry. You know, the finance sector, we've certainly seen it. In the broking sector, we've certainly seen it. Or the, the stockbroking sector. A lot of people start to think whether there is too much red tape. But, but I think it's necessary that we take the journey and then we can come back up with recommendations. I think the important thing about creating more of a regulatory environment is that it has to be fair for everybody and everyone has to have that say in that regulation. Otherwise, if the costs continue to rise to regulate, then the consumer, that cost will be passed on to the consumer. And at the end of the day, that's what we don't want. But regulation is good, but it has to be done correctly. Okay, superannuation, the biggest changes. One default super account per person. Workers would be stapled to an account. What does that mean, Jono? Look, that, uh, that, to have one account, uh, I think, is, is a key. It's sort of like a, like a Medicare number. Multiple people have different, uh, they've set up their superation, young kids when they're working, people that have several jobs, they tend to have several accounts as well. So I think to have that streamlined makes sense. Um, you know, superannuation is important. Uh, so I think that all resource has to be put into it. There is a multiplier effect on superannuation, um, you know, and, and we need, and everyone needs superannuation. The, the big concern that I've had with the super um, is that there are, people have multiple accounts. They don't have one. Second thing which I really, which, which really annoys me is once again the fee structure. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, you look at, um, you know, people that have 
uh, accounts. They have it in various sectors. They're super various sectors. The fee structures, in my mind, uh, need to be uh, changed, need to be more standardised because you are seeing people charging that 1% and sometimes upwards of 2% really for nothing. And then they, they say that's a service, but there is no service for them. So I think that needs to be looked at quite radically because at the end of the day, it's a transfer of wealth. It should be a transfer of wealth you know, for the consumer, the guy who's about to retire, rather than a transfer of wealth from him uh, to the superannuation company. And all these fees are opaque to the investor. They're not known. Yeah, absolutely, Caroline. And that's, a, that's the thing. Um, you know, some clients will come to me and say, well, okay, I say, well, what are you paying for that? Yeah, you can get the same return if you do this, you know. Um, you know, why are you actually, you know, paying, you know, upwards of 2%, you know, a, you know, a $600 fee per month? What's that fee actually for and what do you get? Is it just for a report or are there other things involved in it? Is he actually getting on the phone and actually talking to you about it? So a lot of these things go, I guess, slightly under the uh, underhand, not underhanded, but they're disclosed up front, which we know. But are you actually getting that fee for service that you're paying for? So just to round this off, no deduction of advice fees from my super accounts, according to Kenneth Hayne. Um, look, I think that's a that's uh, I think a little bit tough. It depends on the size of your portfolio and your super. You know, if if you are managing and you are structuring and advising, then then I think you know you you want some. If you're running a a portfolio that has various investments in that require maintenance, then it's justifiable. You know, if you look at um, some uh, some uh, returns, some funds, um, you know, then you know it does require that hands on. And, and, and really, if that hands-on, then it should be paid for. But if there's nothing nothing being received other than a monthly report, then yes, it has to be justified. No hawking or pressure selling of superannuation products. Um, look, once again, I think it's, it's, it's a fine line. Um, you know, if someone doesn't sell something, how do you know that you want to buy it? So I think, once again, it's a little bit of now from the consumer. The consumer has to ask those questions and know the right questions to ask. Um, you know, pressure sales, you know, the broker might say, yes, this is something that you have to be invested in, you have to look at. Um, you know, so it's more often than not, there's that fine line between giving the right advice, pressure selling, and um, just trying to sell the product, you know, so you can receive the commission. And I think that that's a fine line. And, and really, at the end of the day, it'll be up to that broker or that manager as to how he acts. A consumer... If he sees his portfolio being churned, he'll just turn around and stop and he'll take it elsewhere. Okay, let's just touch on the farms. Banks not to charge interest on loans secured against agricultural land during a drought. Look, this is a, it's a touchy subject for me because, you know, there are mechanisms out there which should be used and, and the industry needs to support these types of insurances and mechanisms. It's, you can't say you won't charge on one sector. You know, you have a rural community and you have one sector producing, but that sector then all of a sudden produces down the line. A business in a community town doesn't get the same benefit. So, so it does create this biasness. What, the, what we don't have is we don't actually have the mechanisms of transferring all types of risk into the market properly. And, and that, is, that is one of the keys because we're not getting all industries supportive of initiatives that allow that transfer of risk. So I think, once again, there, and that there's, not a, there's a lack of understanding 
as to what happens in a drought, the upstream and downstream effects of that drought. And, and I don't think he's actually understood what really happens. He's actually trying to put a Band-Aid uh, on a much deeper problem. Oh, that's an interesting. I did not expect that answer. Regulation, an oversight body for APRA and ASIC to assess the effectiveness of each regulator. The ASIC has their powers, APRA have their powers, um, and they've got enhanced powers. Now, being an AFSL holder, I can see that red tape, and I can see the actual extra costs. The, the, this sector has been you know, really hammered over the last couple of years, and, and you know, the, costs, the costs of regulating... The additional costs, ASIC now has said it's a, we're a user fee industry, so we have to pay an additional fee. Apart from the taxes we pay, we pay additional fee to, to ASIC. And, and, and when you see that, that additional cost going through the, the system, the consumer, it will, they will charge. They will recoup costs, and those recoups will go back to the consumer. So, so I think in the, you've got regulatory bodies. They're the regulators. They've got all the, the, the teeth to do it, and they're doing it. I don't think you need an additional body. All right, let's go to NAB. Ken Henry, Chairman of NAB and Executive Chief Executive Andrew Thorburn both resigned. The report said that NAB stands apart from the other three major lenders and Hain pointed out that NAB bankers were being urged to sell at least five mortgages each before Christmas during the week that the two lenders were due to give evidence at the Commission. Let's talk about the resigning of Henry and Thorburn. What were your thoughts? They're really falling. They're falling on their swords. You know, if you are at that that level, you necessarily won't see what happens at the lower rates unless you're implicit in that micromanagement. But but I, I get a sense that you know when you look at these big structures, you've got various levels of management, various levels of pressure. But yes, it all starts at the top. You know that culture is developed, and if that culture there is is, is has an issue, well then it has to change. So. By changing heads, what you are doing is you're just putting, hopefully, uh, a new layer, a new layer of people that will start to manage under a new guidance or set of guidance or set of rules. And I think that that's what we're seeing. Um, if, you know, the interesting thing there is that if you, you know, if you do have concerns within the sector you know, and they're aware of that sector and they didn't feel that it was, it was right, then they should have made changes. The fact that they didn't make changes means that they're implicit uh, in the acts which occurred. What effect will the Commission have on interest rates, housing prices? Very, very interesting. Um, we're already seeing that a lot of the regulation, and in a very soft real estate market, you know, that regulation um, you know, is, is causing a concern. There's tightness of funds, and that tightness um, would translate, I think, um, you know, into a whatever um, downturn we've had. Having that downturn, I think, will, will be longer. There is not a lot of funds still in the market. Um, the banks have caught themselves in a bit of an issue where they've got a lot of risk at lower levels in terms of their interest rates. So I think that con- contraction in liquidity will continue and that will have some adverse effects on the property market. We've already seen it correct. I think it's still in for a correction until the banks can turn around and say, well, look, we're normalising things now. Um, the additional costs which have been borne to us, you know, we're now going to turn around and say, well, at the end of the day, we're going to let more liquidity go. At the moment, they've tightened liquidity, and to me, that's a bad thing at the juncture of the economy of where we're at at the moment. How long do you think it'll take for it to swing back? Um, I, look, it, it's very hard. You can see by the RBA that they've sort of softened their approach. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, to the hawkish nature that we've had. So, you know, another 12 months, uh, maybe even 18 months before we see tightness from the RBA and hopefully tightness from the banks. But, but the banks have already put their interest rates. They've already shown their colours that they're quite happy to put rates out with RBA, without the RBA. It drives me absolutely mad that they do that. You know, while well, they're still trying to protect another $2 billion worth of profit a quarter, it just doesn't make sense, you know. If they're feeling the pinch, so should their profitability because their consumers are feeling the pinch as well. Overall thoughts on the Commission? I've uh, welcomed it. Um, you know, I think the, the key, any, any insight we can learn from what we've done incorrectly um, only makes way for a better industry um, and a more transparent industry. And I think that's, that's what it brings to light. You know, more transparency is, is what we need. Reducing profits, the transfer of wealth from the consumer to the bankers, to the mortgage brokers, that's all changing, which is good. So at the end of the day, leaner and cleaner, and, uh, and I think a little bit more regulated, but hopefully not too, regula- too regulated. But at the end of the day, I think it was, uh, it's something we had to do. We've gone through it. And in another 18 months, you know, we'll, we'll have a better industry. Jono, fresh from the ski slopes in Japan, thank you very much for conducting this interview before you go off for your morning ski. Thanks for coming on to Talking Trading. No, no problems, Caroline. Good to talk to you. And that's it for this week's episode of Talking Trading. Next week, stay tuned for golf expert Andrew McComb as we look at the synergies between golf and trading and how they're both endeavours done between your ears. I'm Caroline Stephen. Have a good week in the markets. But before we go, here's a quick message from Louise Bedford. I love podcasts and I'm subscribed to quite a few. That way I get automatic updates and I don't even have to think about it. The update just goes into my iTunes account. A lot of people don't know how to subscribe though. And yes, you can subscribe on our talkingtrading.com.au screen. But what I'm talking about is a subscription that means that your iTunes account is automatically updated. So if you have an Android phone, the first step is on your home screen, find the Google Podcasts icon. And then you tap on it to open it up. Step three is to find the podcast that you want. And you do this by tapping the search magnifying glass. And it's in the upper left-hand corner. In the search bar, type in the show's name. So type in Talking Trading. And that way you'll be able to see that one because you're familiar with it. Step five is when the logo for the show appears, you tap on it. And then you go to the page for the show you'll be able to see a subscribe button. So hit that subscribe button. And then to start listening right away, you can tap on any episode. Now that means you'll be subscribed and you'll get those automatic updates and you don't have to worry about each week thinking, oh, I should get the new episode. It's in there automatically for you. I love it. I listen to podcasts in the gym. I listen to it in the car. I listen to it while I'm walking. So I'm sure you'll find this is a fantastic way to not only inspire you, but to give you that edge that you're looking for with education. It makes use of downtime and I know that you'll love the podcast world. Fantastic having you along for this journey. 
The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.